All right, are you awake? I got two less than you had. I got four, you had six. Um, hey, so we're going to continue our series today on why Jesus, because Jesus provides answers for us, right, that we need. Uh, so we've talked about where we come from, uh, and you weren't a monkey, uh, you weren't a glob, some of you maybe, but really, I don't think any of you are. Um, today, we're going to talk about the eternity question, right? Is there really an eternity you know, I mean, that's the question that everyone wants to answer. No one's really honest about. Uh, you talk to atheists, and they're like, well, we just think we die, and that's it. Okay. You talk to an agnostic, and they're not real sure what's going to happen. And you talk to Christians, depending on where they're at or where they come from, uh, or so-called Christians, whatever you want to call them, uh, they're not sure that eternity is really real or that there's going to be a separation in eternity. They just have heard. So here's what I know for sure. This is all I know for sure. That life is short, death is certain, and eternity will last forever. So I, I can remember growing up and I can remember hearing people say, you know, there's only two things in life that you really have to do. Right? Two things in life that you really have to do. And I always wondered where that came from. You know, they used to say, you to die and pay taxes, you can get out of the second one, maybe, right? Willie, let me just tell you, Willie Nelson, get out of the second one, he couldn't, so don't try it. Uh, but that quote actually comes from Benjamin Franklin. Benjamin Franklin actually said, in this world, nothing can be said to be certain except death and taxes. It's pretty interesting, right? But Will Rogers said this, the only difference between death and taxes is that death doesn't get worse every time Congress meets. You know, so we, we, we wonder, what is really real? Is, it, is this whole thing about heaven and hell, is that real? I, I can remember growing up and I used to hear people say, well, hell is what you experience while you're on earth. And then I'd hear people say, no, that's marriage. I got married. I don't totally agree with that. But... Um, so I, I don't know. I'm scanning for my wife real quick to make sure that I'm still okay. Yeah, she's not in here. Uh, but, uh, you know, so you, you ask yourself all the time, is this thing really real? Are we really going to die? Yes, you're going to die. That's certain. Are we really going to go to this place called heaven? Or are we going to go to this place called hell? Or the Catholics believe you're going to go to this place called purgatory until your family can pay you out of it and pray you out of it, right? Uh, or, you know, other religions believe that, well, you're just going to be in this limbo and you're just kind of kind of float around here until it's time. But so I, the only place I know to go is the Bible, right? That's the only place I know to go to say, well, what's the answer? What is really the answer? So Peter writes it this way in 1 Peter 17 through 21. It's in your notes. Peter says, if you appeal to the Father who judges impartially. I, I want you to just think about that real quick because look around. There's some of you that I'm judged already, right? But God doesn't look at the outside, right? He judges us impartially. It's, it's available to everybody. Now, if you're, if you're in here and you're a Calvinist this morning, you may disagree with that, and I'm sorry, but I have the mic. Um, the, the fact is God said, whosoever, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You, you have the opportunity of salvation if 
you want it. Now, you don't have to take it. God's not saying, hey, you're going to be saved, and if you're not going to be saved, I'm going to make you be saved, and that's just, God's not that way. He's saying, hey, it's totally up to you. So if you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence in your time living as strangers. For you know that you were redeemed from, from your empty way of life, inherited from your fathers, not with perish, perishable things like silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ. Like that of an unblemished and spotless lamb, he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for you. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Aren't you glad that you don't serve a dead Jew and a Palestinian to him this morning? I mean, Jesus is alive and well. Right? But we, we always use that to say, well, is there really an eternity? Let me just tell you, you can go to Muslims' burial place, to, to Muhammad, and his bones are inside there. You can go to John Smith, the, the founder of the Mormonism religion, and his bones are there. When you go to Israel and you go to the tomb in which they laid Jesus in, he's not there. So did they steal him? Did they, well, I don't know. 500 people saw him walking around. I mean, I, I'm just saying it's a pretty good reminder that, hey, maybe he really did live, right? So we, we have to ask ourselves, well, is there really an eternity? If there is an eternity, how do we find it? What do we do? How are we going to get to it? So I, I would say that I grew up this way. Maybe some of you guys did too. I grew up thinking that my good had to, had to outweigh my bad, right? I won't tell you what religion my grandmother was, but she used to always tell me, sunshine, if your good is better than your bad, you'll get to go to heaven. I said, Grandma, well, what happens when I'm really bad all the time and my good doesn't outweigh my bad? She said, well, don't worry about it, son. We'll buy you in. I mean, that was, her, that was her belief, that I was going to heaven. She wanted my good to be better than my bad, but I really wasn't that good. And, but she used to say, don't worry about it. We'll buy you in. And there are religions today that believe that. Some of you guys probably believe that. And you're, not, you're thinking, well, I ain't got enough money to buy myself into heaven. You don't. But you're working like you're going, right? You're trying to work your way into heaven. Oh, I'm going to be nice. I'm going to show love to people because if I do that, maybe Jesus will let me in, right? And if you believe that, sue your brain for non-support because it's really not going to happen, okay? The fact is you don't get to eternity in heaven without Jesus. But you can go to eternity in hell without Jesus. So if we're looking at eternity, the first thing we have to have to do, we have to understand who the Father is. Understand who the Heavenly Father is, and that will give us a glimpse of what eternity is, right? Do you realize that God, in his infinite wisdom, created you? Think about that just for a second. Now, I, I can tell that some, some are holier than holy, and you're thinking, well, you know, whatever. But listen, God created you and he knew before he created you that you would sin. He knew that before he created you that he would have to send his spotless son to die for you. And yet, he still created you. Think about that a lot because if I had been God, some of you wouldn't have made the cut. 
I'm just, let, let's be honest. Some of us, myself included, would not have made the cut because I know who I am. I know what's inside of me, right? I know what I was before Jesus saved me, and I know how I can be even though he has. And yet, to understand who the Heavenly Father is, we have to understand who we are first and how much love it really took in Jesus for us. How do you understand who God is? Well, number one, and this isn't in your notes, it's just extra. I'll give you for free. You have to pick up your Bible and you read it. You know, that, that's a novice idea, I know, right? Dave came into my office earlier and he, he looked up past me and he said, man, I thought we had a collection of Bibles in my office. And, you know, I, I always think about that. And I've got probably twice as many, just not all in my office, of Bibles. And it's like, well, how many Bibles do you really need? I don't know. I have, I have an addiction problem. And uh, so a new Bible comes out, I think I got to get it, right? And I, I always look at it and say, well, it's better to buy a Bible than drugs. So, you know, that, that's my way out. Um, but you have to read the Bible. In today's society, just in America, in today's society, many people have Bibles, but many people are counting on the FBI to use the fingerprints on that Bible to identify them later in life because they don't pick them up and read them. They've touched the Bible one time, and that's it. They bought it at the store and put it in the house. You ask people, and I don't care what translation you use, just to be, just to be honest. You can use the King James. We use the CSB here. If, if you can read the NIV better, read it. The, the fact is, read it. And, and you say, well, you know, I'm not real good at reading. I got one for you. Use your smartphone, the one that's smarter than you are, and download the Bible app, and then play. Because this is what I know to be true. The Bible says, and you'd know this if you read, the Bible says, blessed is the hearer. So I, I used to take a way out there and be like, well, I ain't got to read it. I can just listen to it because God said blessed is the hearer, right? But you got to hear it. You got to turn it on. You, in order for you to know who God is, you have to begin a relationship with him. You have to pick up his Bible and read it. Don't take for granted that, hey, we're just going to tell you what it is because we may not. Don't take for granted that every person that stands on the platform and holds a mic is honest with you because they're not. Right? I'm not going to tell you. We, we won't point out anybody, okay, because that would be unfair to point out anybody who stands on a platform for their own gain, right, because we're not going to talk about churches in Texas. That's not fair. Um, so, but God said, hey, I created them for a purpose. I created them so they would be like me. He, he created us in his image. The Bible says this in Genesis chapter 3 and verse 4. It says, no, you will not die. Well, wait a minute. How did he create us in his image? And now you're talking about the first sin. He created you in his image to be curious. God is curious, right? God is all-knowing. He's inquisitive. He wants it. So Satan knew that, right? So he used it against us. No, you will not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows when you eat, eat it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. 
The woman saw the tree was good for food and delightful to look at, and that it was desirable for obtaining wisdom. So she took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. They were inquisitive. Have, have you ever gotten in trouble because you were curious? Most of you guys can say amen if your wife's don't elbow you. That's how you ended up married. Curiosity, I used to hear all the time, curiosity killed the cat, right? Cats want to know everything. They're always into stuff. Children are that way. Why do you think when you tell them something, they say, why? Hurricane, and you can't do that. Why? Why can't I jump off the roof? Why can't I run out into the middle of 41? Why not? Where do you think that comes from? We were created in God's image. Satan used that against us to cause Eve to fall from God. Now, we always look at that, and we won't get caught up too much here, but Adam willingly sinned. Do you understand that? Adam was not curious. Adam was not tricked. Adam took the fruit and he ate it. It says it. He was with her and she gave it to him and he ate it. He knew. You know what God, Adam? It's that four-letter word. But I love her. It gets some of us too. We... We let things get in between us and God all the time because we love it. We love it. We're inquisitive. We want to find out. The Bible says this in the book of Romans. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man and death through sin, in this way death spread to all people because all sinned. Did you know that all means every one of you? Do you know that all means me? That all means your parents, your grandparents. That all means every living person who walked the earth that was made up of man and woman. Now, I clarified, right? Because Jesus walked the earth, but Jesus wasn't made of man and woman. Jesus was made of woman and Holy Spirit, so there's a difference. But we've all sinned. And you know, the, the sooner you understand that you're a sinner... And you understand the reason we're sinners is because we have broken God's law. Because we have done things that were against God. We'll understand eternity a lot more. We'll understand the God of love really loves us. Because he sent someone to die for us even while we were yet sinners, the Bible says. While you spit in his face, he sent Jesus to die for you. While, while we decided we wanted nothing to do with him, he sent Jesus to die for us. See, Satan thought whenever he got woman to fall, she drug man with her, he had God. He thought he had him. Because Satan, we, we understand the I wills in Isaiah, Satan wanted to be God. He wanted to rise up and take over. Well, he couldn't. He got kicked out. He wound up on the earth, and Satan is the ruler of this earth. Make no mistake about it. You cannot whip Satan. But you got a big brother who says, I got him. But when you step into the ring with him, you better remember Jesus is there to tag in. Because he's going to whip your tail if you don't. Okay? But Satan thought he had God. Hey, I couldn't dethrone God, but I got him. 
I'll cause his creation to fall. You know, he created man so that we would glorify him. He created us so we would have a relationship with him. Satan thought, hey, I'll make them fall. Because once they fall, God can't be in relationship with them. Because God is holy and just, and he can't be around sin. Do you, do you understand that? See, this is what gets me sometimes. When you talk to a lost person, lost people are like, well, I'm praying and praying and praying. And in love, you have to be honest, right? Because Jesus is grace and truth, and we've got to be honest with them. And so we've got to do it honestly, but we have to give grace while we're doing it. And I just sometimes want to tell you, quit praying unless you want to accept him as your Lord because he can't hear you. And he thought he had him. He thought he had him, but then God shows up. He says, so the Lord said, Genesis 3, so the Lord said, oh, it's headed back the other way now. I've never seen it do that. So the Lord God asked woman, what is this you have done? And the woman said, just like man does all the time, well, they made me do it. You know, you got to own up and take responsibility for yourself at some point. You'll never be saved. You'll never accept Jesus Christ until you own up to what you are. You've got to own yours. Every bucket sits on its own bottom. No one else is standing at the foot of the cross for you. It's you. So the woman said, the serpent deceived me, and I ate. So the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, you are cursed more than the livestock and more than any wild animal. You will move on your belly and eat dust all the days of your life. I will put hostility between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. And listen up, Satan. Here's all you did. You bruised Jesus' heel because eventually he's going to step on your head. He will strike your head and you will strike his heel. Listen, Satan, all you did was throw a wrinkle in, but I already knew it. I'm not worried about it. And see, you wouldn't know that if you didn't read your Bible. You wouldn't know that at the fall of man, God already had a plan. God knew when he put Adam and Eve in the garden that they were going to fall. And you know what? Before it all began, when Jesus, God, and the Holy Spirit, sometimes I picture we're just sitting around the, the breakfast table saying, hey, I think we're going to create the world today. And Jesus says, well, wait a minute. You know if we create the world, they're going to fall. God says, that's okay, son. What we're going to do is when they fall, I'm going to send you. I'm going to send you, and you're going to die as a spotless lamb for them. And if they'll believe in you and trust in you and call out to you, then you'll save them and we'll restore the relationship that was intended from the beginning. And Lucifer, Satan, the devil, pitchfork and horns, whatever you picture him as, your mother-in-law, I don't know. Whatever you picture him as didn't have a chance. But you'd never know that if you didn't read your Bible. You'd never know that if you didn't take the time to find out who the Father is. You'd never know about eternity and how much God really loves you if you don't first figure out who he is and what he's done to prove that he loves you. See, God loves you so much that he sacrificed his own son for you. Number two, God paid the ultimate price for you. I have five boys. David has five boys. He wasn't blessed with girls. I got two girls. And let me just say they changed everything. But I have five boys, and I've said this before. I'll say it again. I wouldn't give one of my boys, one of them, for any of you. 
I'm just real. And you could be my best friend. And I wouldn't give them for you. God didn't only give them for his friend, right? Because Abraham was called the friend of God, so he really had a friend, right? David was a man after God's own heart. But God didn't give Jesus just for those. He gave it for his enemies. Jesus died on the cross for the Muslim, the Jew, the Christian, the atheist, the agnostic, the murderer, the child molester, the everyday good guy, good girl, the rich, the poor, the shacked up, the broken up, the jacked up. Jesus died for everybody. So how do we know there's an eternity? Because he paid a price so that everyone could get there. If, you know, I hear people say all the time, well, he's just going to save everybody. If he was going to save everybody, he wouldn't have died. Make sense? I mean, does that make sense? If, if he was going to save everybody, then he wouldn't die. Well, I hear, I hear also, well, all roads lead to heaven. You're right. 100% you're right. Now, some of you are thinking, man, this guy's a heretic. Listen, let me finish. All roads lead to heaven. They all lead to heaven. Why do I say that? Because at some point in eternity, everyone's going to stand at the judgment seat. So all roads lead to heaven, but Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father. No one gets in to heaven without him. See, you're all going. At some point, you're all going to stand there. I just don't want to make it to the race. Now, I'm not looking to run. I'm Dave's kind of people. I'm not looking to run, but I want to get in. Right? It's like, do you know what's, there, there's something happening in Miami tonight. What's happening in Miami tonight? The Super Bowl. And you know people are paying hundreds of thousands of dollars to try to get a seat. Like I even read that there was a guy that he, he bought Super Bowl tickets a couple years ago for this one in Miami. And so he bought the tickets and he paid thousands of dollars for the tickets. And then he realized the Super Bowl was on February 2nd, 2020. And that's the same day he was supposed to get married. So he posted this ad wanting to know, going through all this, and he said... She'll be in a white dress at the altar if you want her. See, sometimes we think the Super Bowl is more important than a lasting relationship. Sometimes we look at that and we're like, all these people are paying all this money to go to a Super Bowl. They're, I mean, people are hawking their houses. They're using all their money from their jobs so they can go watch. Now, I love football as much as anybody. So they can go watch 11 guys versus 11 guys knock the snot out of each other. Now, the Chiefs are going to win, so you don't even have to go. I'm just telling you. Okay? I mean, it's what happened. Now, I'm not watching, so if they win, please call me and let me know. But the, the, the thing is, they do all of this stuff to be able to go to some event like that. And Jesus has made... What he wants you to come to free. It's free. You just have to admit, right? You have to come to the point in your life that you understand that you're. Now, I think we've got a few minutes. We do. So, let's see. Anthony, you got to play along.
number one, okay? All right. Have you ever stolen a cookie? You have. Do you know what that makes you? A thief, okay? Strike one. Did you know even stealing a cookie from your mama when she tells you not to take it is still stealing? Like, I used to try to justify, it's my mom, I can take that. That ain't your, listen, I told my mom, I went home a couple years ago for the first time in 20 years, and I, I was telling him some things that we did when I was in high school. I, I grew up in foster care, and I was sharing with him some things that we had done, and she's like, well, I knew it. I was just waiting on you to tell me. It was like 25 years had passed, so if you knew it, why didn't you say something? I just wanted to see if you admit it. See, that's like God. God knows what you've done. He just wants you to admit what you've done. So, Anthony, you stole a cookie. I should have asked you if you had ever told a lie. Yes. Okay, I'm glad that you said yes, and I'm glad you were honest about the cookie, right? Because you could have lied about the cookie, too. So, the Bible says this, that if you break one commandment one time. Did you know that, have you ever heard of the Ten Commandments? Yeah, okay. In, in, in that old language, it says... Thou shall not steal, right? People like Norm helped write that so he understands where that comes from. But thou shall not steal is a commandment, right? Thou shall not lie is a commandment. Here's one that really gets most people, most people think. Thou shall not commit adultery. Did you know that? That it's thou shall not commit adultery. And hey guys, let me help you out. Jesus said that if you look upon a woman with lust, meaning... You've already done everything in your mind that you think you want to do with your hands, that you've committed adultery already. Anyone guilty? Here, here, just so the ladies aren't off the hook. Ladies, Jesus also said if you look at your husband and say, I want to kill him in your mind, that you've already committed murder. Okay? So, <laughs> I'm not here to do marriage counseling, just so you know. Uh, there's a purpose. <laughs> so the, the fact is we're all sinners, right? We've all broken the Ten Commandments at least once, but most of us like hundreds of times, right? I mean, a pack of Oreos has like 40 cookies. And I'm just saying, just so you know, okay? I never stole one cookie. I used to take packs, and then my mom would say, Little Tony, did you take the cookies? I said, I ain't seen no cookies. What are you talking about? Well, why is the pack under your bed? Because someone else set me up. Oh, someone set you up? Yeah, they even rubbed this chocolate all over my face. I mean, I could get into some elaborate things and no one had to teach me, right? It passed from man to man, man to man, man to man, and I knew how to do it because I'm a descendant of Adam. Jesus knew that I would do that. And he said, hey, guess what, Miss Sandy? I'm going to die for him. I, I'm going to die for him. And before I ever create him, I'm going to die for him. Before I ever form him out of dirt, I'm going to die for him. Before I have that chance to raise him from the dead after his birth, I'm going to die for him. You say raise him after what, what do you mean? Well, I was born May 12th. I was saved September 12th. See, from May 12th, 1976 to September 12th, 2008, I was a walking dirt bag. The Bible says that you're dead in your trespasses and your sins, that you're just walking around dead people. 
So if you're here today and uh, Miss Marty said, hey, breathe, and, you know, I was thinking she's going to be like, brush your teeth. But she was nicer than what I was. But uh, if, if you're like here and you did that and you're like, well, I'm alive. She told me I'm alive. I'm here to tell you, you are physically alive, but you're spiritually dead if you don't know Jesus. Okay? He paid a price for you so that when you get to eternity's door and you're about to walk through it, you don't have to make a left. You can make a right. Jesus is going to be standing right there saying, hey, welcome home. And you may look at some people and be like, man, I didn't think he was going to make it. But that's okay. Because there's some people looking at you thinking you ain't going to make it either. You have to understand what he's done for you. It's like that little boy. A little boy made a, a toy. Most little boys, they, he went down to the, the edge of the bay and he put that boat in the bay and the waves began to rock and he's watching it and he's excited. It's not, it's not sunk yet. Right? It didn't flip over because the wave come. Garth and Ryan, it, it kept going. And this little boat kept going. It, well, it kept going further and further out. And the little boy got sticks and he's trying can't reach it. His little boat sailed out of sight. Well, one day he was walking around kind of depressed and he had his head down. And he walked by a pawn shop and happened to glance in the window. And well, guess what? His little boat was there in the pawn shop. He was so excited again. He ran into the pawn shop and said, sir, 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 that's my boat. It's got my initials on the bottom of it. That's my boat. And the man looked at him and said, son, I'm sorry. But I gave someone some money for that boat. And the only way you can have that boat back is if you pay me $10. The little boy began to cry. He said, I don't have $10, though. He said, well, I'm sorry. That's, you know, that's the only way you're going to get the boat back. So he walked out and he hung his head. He got home and kind of told his mom and dad. And they figured it would be a good life lesson. So they just let him go. And he began to say, i got to earn some money. So he was going to the neighbor's houses. Can I rake your lawn for a dollar? Can I take out your trash for 50 cents? Well, he, he did this for about a month, and he made $10. And he walked into the pawn shop. He slapped the money down on the counter, and pennies and dimes went everywhere. And he looked at the man. He said, there's your 10 bucks. Can I have my boat? And the man said, yeah, you can have your boat. And he took the boat, and he gave it back to him. And many of you are thinking, man, what a jerk. He could have just gave him the boat back. Yeah, but he, the boat was more valuable to him now. Because not only did he create it, but he redeemed it. He bought it back. See, you're more valuable to God because not only did he create you, but he paid a price to buy you back. God wants you to be with him for eternity. God wants you to be with him at the marriage supper of the Lamb on the streets of gold. God's desire is to have a relationship with you. But his desire is to have the, begin the relationship while you're here. Because when the time comes and you take your final breath, and for 150,000 people, their final breath ended yesterday. A week ago, Kobe Bryant took his final breath. It doesn't matter what people say. It doesn't matter how much your family loves you. When you take your final breath, your opportunity is done. See, right now you have an opportunity to come to Jesus. You have an opportunity to trust what he's done for you. And 
I may not understand it all. I don't understand it all. I may not understand it all. But you know what? There's got to be something about it. I don't know anything else that can take a drunk man and make him sober. I don't know anything else that can take a convict and set him straight. I don't know anything else that can take a bad parent and make him a good parent. I don't know anything that will take a drug addict and pull him out of a ditch and put him on the straight and narrow. Except for Jesus. See, your most, your most prominent recovery programs built on Jesus. They're not built on all this other stuff. They're built on Jesus. Jesus will change your life. And that's why many of you are afraid to come to him. I'm not asking you to change your life today. I'm asking you just to trust him. Come as a child. Trust him. Children are great. I mean, they, they believe and trust just about everything. Right? Until you break their trust, they trust you with everything. Canaan let you them up in the air till I dropped him. Canaan didn't let me toss him anymore. Cannon used to let me toss him in the air. Cannon got bigger. I can't toss him in the air. Rawson undeniably would trust anything I tell him to do because he knows I'm not going to put him in harm's way. That's what God wants you to do with him. So that brings me to my third point. We're just about done. You need to understand how to live for God. See, most of you wouldn't die for God because you won't even live for God. You have to understand when you're bought by the blood of Jesus, you are now a slave to him. You're no longer your own. You've been purchased with a price. See, when Peter wrote this passage of Scripture, people would have understood what slavery was because it was so rampant. See, we have slavery today. We just don't talk about it. Many of you are slaves to your children. You're slaves to your family. You're slaves to your job. You need to understand that God has paid for that for you. And he wants you to live for him. You should be different. You should be peculiar, as the King James says. You should be completely... People should wonder what in the world is wrong with him. Because you know what? If they'll wonder about it, eventually they'll come ask you about it. And I love that, hey, preach the gospel always and sometimes even use words. People will wonder why you do that. Why would you give someone money? Why do you gather and then give? My kids used to think this is funny. My kids used to think that when the church takes up money, it's all mine. One day I can remember them saying, this is, I said, guys, we just don't have the money to go do that. And they said, Dad, the church just took up an offering this morning. You got lots of money. Then my daughter said, Dad, the church needs you to talk. Really? Girls change everything. Uh, so the Bible says this in 1 Peter 1 and verse 17. If you appeal to the Father who judges impartially according to each one's work, catch this, you are to conduct yourselves in reverence during your time living as strangers. You're a stranger in this land. You're just passing through. You're just a, t a tent dweller, right? Now, I, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I don't live in a tent, but especially this morning. But the fact is you should be different 
than everybody else around you. I'm not saying that you can't go to the Super Bowl, that you can't watch the Super Bowl. I don't care about that. But you should be different. The way you talk should be different. Nothing chaps me more than anything than whenever I hear someone say, Bill, I'm a Christian, and after that is F-bomb, 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 B-bomb, 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 D-bomb, 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 and they're not saying the alphabet. It bothers me. Oh, well, you're one of those holier-than-thou people. No, I'm not. But I understand the Bible says let no corrupt communication come out of your mouth. An ambassador to Christ, and what kind of ambassador am I if that's the way I Remember I said a couple years ago I was home with my mom, and I, I rode around with her for a week, and my foster mom, and I rode around with her for a week, and I got all kinds of sermon material from her. Right, because every time she talked, I'm like, yeah, I'm just jotting this down. And my mom, I believe she's saved. I believe she's going to heaven, not because she's my mom, but because she's trusted Jesus. But she will say the D word or the B word. She's never said the F bomb, but she a couple of the others. And she'll look at, she would say that, and while she's driving down the road, she'd let something slip, and she'd look at me. That's not a cuss word. I didn't say anything. I didn't say it was a cuss word. You're feeling that. And listen, guys, I'm not someone who says that, hey, if you get saved today, you're not going to cuss tomorrow. Because every one of you got a cuss box. You don't believe it? Give me your thumb. Give me a hammer, and I will prove it. Okay? And guys, if you've ever hit your hammer with a thumb, you know you got one. The thing is, when you hit it, you're looking around to make sure no one else heard it. Okay? You've got a cuss box. Sometimes it's really chained up well, and it takes a lot to get it out. Sometimes your lips are loose, right? You got diarrhea of the mouth, and it just spits. But understand that it's a process, like we talked about last week. Sanctification is a process. But you should want to live better. You should want to be better than what you are right now. Let me jump right to the end so we can, we can be done Life is short. It's short. The purpose of our life is to get right with God and then live a dedicated life for him. Not to him, but for him. You say, why do I have to live for him? Because by you, the only way people are going to hear the gospel. God has no plan B. Plan A is his church. Not this building, but the people in it. Life is short. You don't know how long you got. Some of you have been here a long time. Wait, a couple of these guys too, Nora. I think they rival you. Uh, but life is short. We don't know how long we're going to be here. James says it's gone. I was remarking last night, looking at my children. Rawson's 14. He's going to be 15 this year. And it's like, when did that happen? Life is short. Death is certain. Every one of you in here are going to die unless Jesus Christ comes back before then. Right? Now, I say come quickly, Lord Jesus, but maybe he won't. Right? Maybe he's not saved everyone that he knows is going to get saved. So if he's not, I want him to wait. But death is certain. It's going to happen. So we're, all, we're all going to die, and how we live life now will determine how we'll be when God judges us. See, you can go to the judgment one of two ways. You can go to the judgment based on your merits 
Or you can bypass that judgment and go to the judgment seat of Christ and answer for what you've done or not done for him. I don't know about you, but I don't want to answer for all the sin in my life. I want to go to Jesus and say, hey, 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 I'm with you. Jesus, Jesus, you remember me? I'm with you. I don't know. I don't want to go over there. I think the judgment seat is going to have a big Teletron TV. I mean, I think it's going to be a massive TV, bigger, a bigger HD TV than what we've ever seen. And I think God's going to play your life back for you if you end up there. And he's not going to have to say, hey, by the way, you're going to see it. Death is certain. Eternity's forever. I want to leave you with these verses. The Bible says in Romans 14, verse 10 through 12, but you, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or you, why do you despise your brother or sister? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. So then let each of us We'll get, then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Whether you believe in Jesus right now or not doesn't matter. He's coming, and every tongue will confess. Every knee will bow. And I don't know about you, but I want to make sure that when I'm on this side, I've made the right decision. I want to make sure that when I'm on this side, I'm not leaving anything undone. Because one day you're going to give an account for everything. How you give your account is totally up to you. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. I'm going to ask you this morning that, or I guess maybe it's crossed into this afternoon. I'm going to ask you if, if you've never trusted Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. And I don't mean said a prayer because we can say prayers all day long. I don't mean get baptized because you can be baptized and never said the right prayer and just get wet, right? I've done it. It's possible. What I'm asking is if you've never trusted Jesus and gotten into a relationship with Jesus Christ, I'm going to ask you just to slip your hand up right where you're at real quick. I just want to pray for you. That's all I want to do. I'm not going to call you out, point you out, and say, oh, wait. I just want to pray for you because Jesus' desire is to have a relationship with you. It's a relationship that you talk to each other, that he loves you and you love him. That's the relationship he wants with you. Okay. Now I'm going to ask that maybe you've trusted Jesus Christ, but you've not been living for him like you should be. Right? You've not been preaching the gospel everywhere you go, like Marty said, and using words if needed. If that's you and you've not been doing what you're supposed to be doing, as a child of God, if you just slip your hands up real quick, I just want to pray for you. And listen, I would say that every, every person in here, whether we raise our physical hand or the hand of our heart, we can be honest and say, hey, Jesus, I'm what I'm supposed to be doing for you all the time. But you know what? I know that you'll forgive me, and I know you want to help me. So today, Jesus, I make a commitment to do it your way. To quit thinking I'm smarter, quit thinking that I've got this thing figured out, but I'm going to do it your way. So let me pray for you, and after I say amen, you'll be dismissed. Don't forget to stop by the table.
please and, and let them know how much you were grateful and thankful that they were here. And then we'll have a basket in the back. Uh, one of the boys will be holding it. And don't forget to bless them as they've blessed you today. Father God, we pray right now, Father, that you would just work and move in the lives of these people. God, I know that you know the hands that raise their hand. And Father, we pray right now, Father, that you would work and move in their lives, God, that you would take one who doesn't know Jesus and, Father, develop a relationship with them. God, show them that it's nothing difficult, Father, to come into a loving relationship with you. But, Father, it's just that simple, just to say, hey, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior. And then, Father, for those who've trusted you in years past and times gone by, God, I pray that you would help them to live a life that would be worthy of you. Help them to live as ambassadors of Jesus with everyone they come into contact with. And now, Father, as we go our separate ways, God, I pray that you'll bless everybody as they walk out of this building. God, I pray that you'll enlarge their territory, Father, that you will guide them, protect them from the evil one as we understand he's right outside the door, Father, waiting to steal, kill, and destroy everything that we've gotten this morning. And, Father, we pray most of all, Father, that we would be the light to just one person this week. Father, as we go out, show us our one, help us to find them, and share Jesus with them. Help us to encourage them. Again, we love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, and the church said, amen. You're dismissed.